0: Race cars are dumb, Abe.
1: This hobby is stupid. I don't. I don't know why we it's, do. it.
0: It's really freaking hard. Uh, but uh, if you, uh, if you're either a Patreon listener, uh, a page, a, a patron of uh, FCP Euro or Apex Pro, it's probably a little easier than if you're not, right?
1: <laughs> probably. Do you think so, that well, race cars well, are hard, really hard for everybody? Are it, or just they just the hard for you of. because you're not very
0: good? Sorry, I just did the worst ad read ever, so I didn't hear what you said.
1: No, I, I, I wondered if race cars are hard for everybody uh, or if they're just hard for you because you're not very good at this.
0: It's probably some of both. But, um, So we went to Blackhawk Track Day picnic last weekend. Um, and I don't know if you noticed, but uh, it was the first event that I have ever deliberately tried to not work. Did you notice that? I did. Yeah. How'd it go? So so it was really hard for me to like not wander up to grid and just like do things, but they were a bunch of freaking slayers. uh, And I didn't have to do that because it turns out that maybe over the past two years, I've uh, turned into a bit of a, a leader and trained them into doing things. And now they're slayers. So uh, we we had a really good grid crew. We had uh, like a lot of the regulars, Carson and Judson were both there. Uh, Pete Lindbergh came from Texas. Like what the fuck? Um, and uh, yeah, they, they slayed it. It was a really good grid crew and it's a simpler event too, because it's mostly HPD. And then you've got a little bit of standing start time attack. And then you've got GLTC, but like kind of novel GLTC, you know, smaller field standing start qualifying um, and, and more fun runs. Like the, the vibe was really good. So, um, yeah, so my, my goal was to like test out my new oil pan baffles that I put in my car. Um, turns out they're better. They're not perfect, but they're better, um, but then, uh, I fought the car a bunch. I did, uh, I was going to do a drain back catch can, like the catch can was going to drain back into the oil pan. Uh, but I didn't have time to make up a new mount for the catch can. Um, so I ended up doing that in the paddock, and I needed a fitting made, and and Cody Smith, the dude the, the, with the Regal, he freaking made me a fitting out of a 3 NPT plug, uh, like drilled it out and put a quarter-inch tap through the middle of it, and, uh, and then I was able to drain back the catch can into the oil pan because this thing is one smoky old girl, and it has crankcase uh pressure and it pukes all the oil into the catch can because it's a piece of junk (laughs) so uh new engine is coming but i'm still trying to sort out oil things and i don't feel like putting the new engine in until i'm really really comfortable that this thing has good oil pressure in all the turns so uh a bit frustrating but kind of a fun day so
1: can i say that um it was on saturday i think Um, right, I rode with Alex Moss in Super K. Um,
0: I saw you do that.
1: That car is really fun.
0: What's the shifting like with the BMW DSG?
1: It's uh, I've seen the data logs. Um, it, it, I mean, it shifts like you would expect that a DCT would. Um, they were. Um, kind of working on a, some issue that didn't show up during one lap, which was sometimes the ABS unit uh, like just didn't work. And they, they have everything wired up through a PDM, and basically like they had a button to like reset everything while they were on track, and it was supposed to bring everything back. Um, right. if, if you don't have ABS... When you are hard into the brakes, which is into, I guess, seven, uh, right. and into three, uh, and into one. So, like, braking into one was very <laughs> straightforward, uh, even though you don't have ABS. Like, but when you right. make the gear changes, um, it, like, it kicks the rear end a little bit um, in, in that situation when you don't have ABS. And he was like, oh, that's weird. And he started like finagling buttons on the PDM um, while going an insane pace. Um, yeah. And then like into three, it got squirrely again, and he like tried to reset it and whatever. And then we're just like, we're cruising and still going really fast. And then uh, coming around into seven, he got the car slowed down quite a lot. Um, but the rear end came around the front end, and we spun off the track backwards.
0: Yeah, turn um, seven is a bit of like a right-hander slash braking zone at the same time if you're going real fast.
1: Yep. So. Um, what I can say is despite that problem, we probably did four or five laps, which is pretty pretty neat um, for a time attack car for sure. And uh, I can also say that, what is it, four? I think it's four, the left-hander that's um, really kind of high speed, The 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 spot that you lost it in the Evo back in the day.
0: That would be five.
1: Okay, it's five. Um, five is really fast in a car with insane arrow.
0: Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. Five's fast in my car with 157 horsepower and no arrow.
1: Um, like,
0: it's fast.
1: The other thing I can say is, uh, sitting in the passenger seat in Alex's car, the uh, when you put your feet down on the floor, as you might if you were riding passenger, um, can you imagine, like, Can you imagine what a glowing hot heat gun would feel like if you put your feet in front of it? I can. That's about what it's like.
0: It's that hot in there?
1: It's that hot in there.
0: No wonder that poor PDM is like, ah, Um, (laughs) Uh, maybe.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So it was a really cool experience. Uh, They suffered a mechanical failure on Sunday that, prompted them to like just pack the car up. And I saw on Andy's Instagram feed today that it was the same failure that they had had before one lap. Um, really
0: that, that, that same big, like basically like the drive gear going into it, right? Yeah. Like
1: I, I don't know what the right term is, but it's like a clutch basket type thing.
0: Right. It's like the main gear going into it.
1: Um, what I um, will say is, uh, I, I thought it was great, um, that with a Sharpie marker, um, he had written on like the bell housing, you know, please last at least long enough for one lap or like, I, I don't right. want to see you until after one lap. And right. he took a picture of that today and he was like, all right, no complaints.
0: <laughs> That's funny. What was that? Uh, when we were at rally ready ranch out in Texas, do you remember seeing that Subaru <laughs> you um, again? Yeah, oh, it's you again. <laughs> like the inside of the bell housing had a painted inside. Like, Oh, it's you again. <laughs>
1: We watch. probably should that have taken a, a picture of that.
0: That was freaking funny. Uh, yeah. Race cars are freaking hard, man. Why are they so hard? Uh, I've been bad. So that, I'm about to pull the oil pan off my car tomorrow. I was going to pull the whole engine out until this afternoon when I was like, why I got to like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I just got to figure out the oil. I got to figure out the oil right now. It's only starving in left handers. Um, and so the only spot that it was starving was the long left-hander where I lost it in your Evo a couple years ago. Um, and it wasn't starving that bad with the new trap door setup. I built like a trap door, like full, like vertical wall baffle around the oil pickup. Uh, and it wasn't starving that bad, but it wasn't ideal. Like I want that shit to be at 70 PSI entering the turn. And I want it to be at 70 PSI coming out. Right. Uh, and now, we're at seventy PSI entering the turn and we were at like twenty-nine at the bottom and then like forty and then seventy coming out. Like, so I'm getting a drop, uh, but I'm close, but I'm like a lot closer than I was before. Especially in like that long drawn out left. That's like a long left, you know. Um, it's not starving in breaking anymore, which is good. It's not starving in right handers, which is good, uh, but it's starved in lefts. So, um, so tonight I made some, like, uh, some basically half quart size boxes that will mount, that, that I'll weld them to the front and the back of the pan, uh, and so that will just be more volume, be another quart of oil, basically, down in the sump. And I'm going to drill a bunch of holes in the pan and basically weld them to it so that they're slightly baffled and they will feed, basically I'm going to drill holes on the side that would feed the Oil pickup in a left hand turn. So that's, they're basically going to be four left hand turns for the most part. So add another quart of oil and weld this pan up and maybe play with the baffles a little bit more. But I was thinking about bringing it next weekend just to test it again, just to keep testing it because I want this thing to be solid by Autobahn. But I'm a little, I'm also a little tired. <laughs> when when
1: is Autobahn?
0: Autobahn is end of June. June 26, 27 or something like
1: that. Yeah, so it's it's likely that I'll be at that event. I'm going to look at the Good Life calendar. It's
0: 3 weeks after this upcoming event, I believe. So,
1: so the the hard part for me is figuring out travel schedule once I start work. Um it's going to be like hard to take right. time off because I'm like, I like I'm starting in July, which means I don't get the full 3 weeks. I get a prorated amount. And uh right. I don't want to like start a job and be like, oh, I'm like, you know, disappearing for a while while I take all my vacation time right away.
0: Well l- luckily Audubon's a Saturday, Sunday primarily. You could just cruise up in the in the car, not bring the whole RV, just zip up quick and speaking of the event and come home. Is it uh, has
1: it typically just been you staying in the R V uh, this year?
0: Uh yeah, because everybody's got cooties. Did you know that? I don't have cooties. I mean I'm not aware you did have the cooties for a while. Yeah,
1: they were to the audience. If you haven't had the cooties yet, uh, don't think that you can't get the cooties, um, and know that getting the cooties is probably not a good time.
0: No, probably not that good of a time. So like, just be careful. My, my, uh, yeah, even if you're vaccinated, be careful. <laughs> I know a couple of people that have been vaccinated and got the cooties. So, uh, the, yeah, the RV, you know, historically was a place of, uh, of respite for many a, a wary track worker. And that also got kind of annoying when there, I would wake up and there'd be four people in the RV. And be like, get the fuck out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) You're in my house. Get out of my house. Yeah, like, uh, so the only person who slept in it this year has been Cone. Cone slept in it at uh, Taco Track Day. Uh, And last year, it was basically like, no, I'm sleeping in my RV by myself because it's my RV because I paid for this with my money. (laughs) So, like, if I could buy a $9,000
1: RV and fix it up, I would. But you have skills that I don't have
0: it's uh it's been a lot of work to fix this thing up man, like and it's pretty nice inside now, like it's it's probably what I would say seventy five percent of the way there like I gotta paint the walls, I gotta do some stuff, but like it's pretty nice
1: uh the, the painted cabinets uh, are
0: nice, uh, the cabinets look good, they're like mostly painted, they're not totally i gotta well we like, we better
1: these. not uh. uh you know, dive too far into RV talk because we have heard sometimes people don't like it that we talk about RVs. Oh, stuff. I know, on, they don't like the RV on talk. our podcast,
0: <laughs> our stupid podcast that we talk about what we want to talk about. Uh, the yeah, I mean the RV is like seventy five percent away done, but like um, yeah, last year when like COVID came, Sarah was like, "Don't let anybody sleep in the RV," and I was like, "Yeah, that's a good idea." I'm just going to wake up and it'll be mine. (laughs) Turns out it's pretty nice to just wake up and like, it's your RV. So I I did buy the, the new trailer, um, which has AC and three fold down beds, like, like actual beds. Uh, Uh, yeah, it's got three fold down beds and AC on the roof. Did you know that? I didn't. I've never been inside
1: that trailer. Actually,
0: it's actually a pretty nice freaking trailer. The Billy Gray trailer rules.
1: <laughs> why, so Chris, why does a trailer like that exist? Uh
0: because Bowie used to camp out of it, like him and his wife and his, and his kids, um, they used to camp out of it at the racetrack. Um, and, uh, and so when I bought that trailer, I was like, this is the perfect place to house the grid crew. Like there's always somebody that's like, Hey, you got a place to sleep. And I'm like, yeah, uh, the trailer <laughs> and they will like sleep on the floor in the in the grit and grime this has got like fold down like the legs flip out and it's all made out of two by four it's glued together they got like mattresses like they're nice they're nice beds uh and it's got ac on the roof like it it gets chilly it's insulated uh chris f uh slept in there at blackhawk and he he said it got real cold so um yeah it was pretty it's it's a pretty nice little rig it's a good unit so uh, so I, I stole the RV back to myself. So the RV is mine. And and if you get to sleep in it, your name is Mike Cohn or you're really lucky. It's one or the other. But, well, I, I can
1: uh, say that I'm really lucky because you uh, were, I, I guess, trying to make me feel bad that I didn't have a super K hooded sweatshirt at Blackhawk. Uh,
0: you were I like, hey, man, day. I'm in
1: the club and you don't have one. And then and then Moss gave me one. So
0: I I don't I don't know that I was trying to make you feel bad. I didn't know if he was going to give you one or not. But I was like, man, look at check out this sick sweatshirt that I have and you don't. I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice hoodie though, isn't it? Though, like that's top quality stuff. Like, why would you why would you buy that nice hoodie for your friends?
1: Did um did you watch uh, Paul Ellertson's uh, first video from One Lap and Super
0: K? Uh. No, I don't think I did. It's pretty good. Um,
1: instead of video. instead of releasing like a two hour movie, um, which right. like I, I think probably got a little bit long winded on on a YouTube format, like he did day one and day two, and it worked out I think pretty well. Um, I watched the first video and like I don't know, the, like this is kind of a narrow audience. I don't know that it's going to get a gazillion views, but. In terms of like capturing what one lap is, I was like, right. oh, "That's great! Like this is this is cool."
0: I watched the the one where he interviewed a bunch of different people. Like, what do they like about one lap or whatever? Um, a couple that was like three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, right after one lap, though. But.
1: Well, I talked to Tom in the paddock uh, on on Saturday night of Blackhawk, and he he's in it as much as anyone now. He's like. Tom McGorman. This, um, you know, this event is on my list of the things that I never want to miss again.
0: Really, never again, huh?
1: It's uh, it's it's cool, it's fun.
0: Yeah, he. I mean, obviously, you win it once. It's probably a good way to get hooked. But yeah, he uh, he and Steve had a pretty dominant performance there, didn't they?
1: Yeah, and he talked to me a little bit. I I mean, we recorded a lot. with those guys during during the week. Uh, But he, he talked a lot about what Steve brought to the team in terms of the competition. And like, um, you know, Steve has done the event a number of times and was able to get Tom up to speed on like, no, here's, here are your jobs. Here are my jobs. Here's what you, here's what you have to be able to do. Well, here's what I'm going to be doing. Um, Right. And like, they, they established some ground rules, like if you're not driving, you're sleeping, and and, right. and just different right. bits like that that really structured the event probably favorably for both of them, and I'm sure that was at least part of what helped them win.
0: I mean, Steve's done it, like, probably half a dozen times, right? I think it's more than that. Yeah, like, he, he's been trying to win that thing for a long time, um, but, uh, that, I mean, yeah, you learn a lot of stuff when you when you do that for that long, I would imagine you, you find all the tricks. Uh, and he obviously chose a good car and chose a good co-driver. So yeah, slayed it. Yeah. Um... Yeah. What a crazy freaking event. Like the more and more I listened and I was on a couple of them, but I listened to a lot of the shows that you did with the drivers. Um, and it was like, like the, cause I've wanted to do one lap since I was probably 15. The first time I heard about it was, it was in the 90s, you know, and like I'd been wa- maybe even earlier than that. I've been I've been reading Hot Rod magazine uh, and it was covered in Hot Rod a little bit um, because it was so unique back then. Car and driver and all kind. Of, it was it was all over the place uh, because it was like one of the only events like that. Um, and so I always thought it was so cool. Um, but like you you really talk to the drivers during the week the way that you did. Uh, and it sounds so hard <laughs>
1: It's freaking!
0: It's, it sounds so exhausting.
1: It's not easy. Yeah. Dude, well, and like you think about what the, the, RV, or the, um, the, the racers are trying to do during the event. Those folks that are like pushing hard to either do their personal best or to try and win.
0: Right.
1: Um, right. That's hard.
0: It sounds so hard. Like it doesn't even sound fun. It sounds just, it sounds like, just grueling, just totally grueling. But that, that also brings about a new level of respect when you bring a straight up race car out of that event and you make it the entire way. Um, the way like Scott and Becky or Alex and Andy did, like those are straight up race cars.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, and, and properly good race cars too. I mean, Scott well, yeah, is not reliable, a slouch behind the like, wheel in man. that car. And, and Alex is in the street modified class. I mean, that's, that's the pointy end for sure. I think he right. and yeah. uh, Jackie will be battling for wins all
0: year. I think it's the pointy end of any streetable car on the track at all. Like, you don't get a whole lot pointier.
1: Probably not. I um, mean, well, in, in,
0: if you, I if think Optima pointier, has some cars that are built to and... that level,
1: but I don't think there aren't many cars that have been road tested like uh, right. Alex's one-lap car.
0: And, and in street mod, it's only on 285s, which in the in the big tire world is not that crazy anymore. You know, five years ago, that might have been crazy. But, like, what's a Viper? A 335? A Corvette's a 335 now or can fit it? Like, those are crazy tires. Yeah, but,
1: the, the Viper ACR geez. is a 355.
0: 355? Good yeah. grief. Yeah. That's so big. Like the small, the front tire on a Viper ACR is smaller than the than the biggest allowed tire in street mode. So um, real impressive, uh, real impressive showing by the full on race cars that did one lap. That's so hard, dude. Like I can barely get through a Blackhawk weekend and with my RV with AC on the entire time without like hating my life. That's how much of a, that's how much of a wimp I am. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Wimp. Total lump. Yeah. It was pretty nice to not have to work that much though, because man, that grid crew slayed it, and the timing team, like uh, Eric and Megan and uh, uh, Emma and Tom, they they slayed it with the Sandy Start Autocross. Just it was great. Like what a great event. I love that event. That event is just the best.
1: It's really good.
0: It's really good. Like it is a really good event. There was a bunch of spectators. Uh, they hung out and camped. Everybody hung out and camped. Like the barbecue on Saturday night was amazing. Um, did you have some of the food that Chris cooked? Like I the, did. the meat, dude, he had so much amazing meat that he cooked, and I didn't even—I didn't know he was doing it until I like walked over there, and it was like half picked over. But Grassroots Motorsports shot my car for the magazine. Like Tara, Tara spent I spent an hour or so. You're shooting such it a like,
1: celebrity
0: it was so weird. Like everybody's over there eating it and I'm like standing under a tree turn and Tara's shooting my car. I'm like, I want to go get some of that meat. <laughs> can, can I leave this here and leave you guys? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, the car was pretty, it looked good. Uh, it wasn't perfect mechanical wise, but we're getting there. We're making good progress, but, um, I I've found like the new the Accord motor with the D series trans like I found the setup that I want like I want this setup because it's it's good like it's it's got the pace it can do it um I don't I obviously I'm I'm a little babying it in left hand turns even at Blackhawk. There's more pace in that. There's more pace in just me trusting the car. Uh, but man, this thing gets out of holes, gets out of the corner so hard. Like it, the pace is totally there. Uh, so I'm like bound and determined one way or the other to, uh, to sort this setup. Like it's a good GLTC setup. So um, but uh, it's exhausting getting there already. Like I'm sick of it already.
1: Uh, Pete was kind enough to let me drive his spec fit uh, on Sunday and yeah. yeah, to just do a couple of laps, and I like driving at Blackhawk. I like driving hard at Blackhawk. Yeah. Um, it's not a Black place. It's so fun. It's not a place that like I get intimidated. There are plenty of tracks where I don't like driving there. Blackhawk is not one of those places, and there's not a good reason for why that is. It's just that's that's just how I feel,
0: dude. You can bin the shit out of a car, Blackhawk. <laughs>
1: yes, you absolutely can. But it's there like
0: there is walls all over the place. <laughs> I,
1: I I don't know why, but I just really yeah, I'm, really I'm the like it there. Um,
0: I'm the same way. Where I I can go so hard, and and then like I I do a track walk. Like two hours later, I'm like, wow, there's so much scary stuff to hit.
1: <laughs> um, but I went out in his car and did like four laps, I think. Right. And, uh, we had the apex pro plugged in and like the predictive and I'm a lap timer plus plus subscriber. And so we were like using all of the tools and, uh, a fit is kind of funny because like, I mean, even if you're like flat through a corner, it still says that there's more grip and it's just like, well, right. I, I mean, yes, but I, I can't, um,
0: <laughs> sorry. There's no more. <laughs> uh,
1: so at that point, it's just like trying to figure out how to carry more speed into the corner to get that grip to to use that grip. Right. Right.
0: Um, right.
1: But on lap four, I carried too much speed through, I guess, three and four. And I went into the Gators on the right side um, and like right. enough that like, yeah, I was it's not my car and I was concerned And Pete was like, yeah, the the rear bumper came loose, so let's, like, pull it in. And I said, yeah, no problem. and But I still, like, did 90% of the lap at speed. And unless I was reading the data wrong, my good lap was, like, a 36. um, And uh, the lap was showing that had I continued and finished and cross-start finish... Like I basically shut it down at six instead of shutting it down after I cross start finish. And had I just mm-hmm. maintained speed and finished the lap, I would have finished with like a 32,
0: which is like four
1: seconds faster than my best lap in a fit.
0: There was a, I think uh, there was a fit that ran a 30 this weekend. Is that right? The, yeah. Like 30 in a fit is no joke in Hoboken dude. Um, <laughs> Uh, what's his name i can't remember his name michael i think um i'm forgetting his last name right now Uh, but yeah he he ran i think it was a a two or a one a 130.2 130.2 130.3 like real proper fast
1: that i mean that's like that's like properly fast because standing start autocross times which yeah like you can say standing but uh, standing in a fast car maybe costs you like two seconds um, right. but standing start autocross times, like FTD was about a 20, right? Um, so 10 seconds slower than a 450 horsepower STI is driven by a properly fast driver because Mike is, um, yeah, Mike like yeah. a fit on that track is not a bad car. It is fun. No, it's
0: a really fun car. Really fun track for that car. Uh, what, what did you and I run? I think on the lap timer years ago, you and I were running like 19s and 18s. Right?
1: 19s and 18s, yeah,
0: yeah. I I remember my my CRX doing 21s, and that would have been that would have been like P3, P4, P5. Now MGLTC, Andy but...
1: has the unofficial standing start record there, and it is there's unofficial because there's like I think there was some kind of rule with Midwest Council or whatever org does it. Uh, that right. you have to be a member of the org for the record to count. Um, right. And he was not. Uh, but his record from a standing start in the Evo, from back in the day, was like a 12 say, or a yeah, 13. Like,
0: like five years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, 12, like a 112. From so a standing fast. start. It, uh, it, my my old CRX ran 21s. My My current car ran about the same. Um, I think my fastest was a twenty-one uh on on Datalog, but uh that track is like I don't care if you're mid pack, you're back of the pack, like I don't care where you are. That track is so fun. It's just freaking fun. It's like it's a fun place to do lapping, it's a fun place to do standing start, it's a fun place to do wheel to wheel. Like me and that track like, just lots of good vibes. It's just, like, the the people that work there are rad. The environment that you're in when you're there is the best. Like, camping there, like, even, like, the buildings and, like, just hanging out. Like, ah, the place is just the freaking coolest, man. Uh, Standing start, like, doing, I did two laps to standing start autocross for GLTC qualifying. And my first lap put me in P5, I think, um, in GLTC. And my second lap, my clutch was slipping and I tied my first lap time. So I could have been like maybe P3 because my clutch was really slipping. The clutch was, the clutch is gone. So I got to pull the, I got to pull the trends out regardless. But um, the, the, like just, just running it is so fun. The place is so freaking fun. <laughs> it's so fun to do standing start. I just love that place for that.
1: I think, um, um, I mean, I, I realize that Gingerman is kind of like the, you know, the home base for the majority of grid life stuff. But I think that Blackhawk is probably my favorite place to drive.
0: Might be my favorite place to hang out for sure. It's, if it's not my favorite place to drive, it's real freaking close. Blackhawk's, Blackhawk and mid Ohio, like just from a driving perspective, they're both real close. I love Blackhawk. What a great time. Like every lap, uh, like you push harder and harder and harder and there's always more because the place is it's very technical. Like it doesn't get much doesn't get much more technical than the back section of Blackhawk. Yep, for sure. Um and, and and you can feel like you can go through there like seventy five percent and and it feels like you are on the ragged ass edge. <laughs> and then and then you see like like Kerry James and Jeremy Boyson in GLTC this weekend were, they were the rippers this weekend and they Dude. were running like 16s and 17s. Uh, and you see how you look at their data or you like watch them go through the back section and you're like, man, this place, it just never stops. It's <laughs> like, you can always go faster and crazier. Yeah. I, I got uh, a
1: chance to talk with Kerry just a little bit. It was nice to meet him. Um, super that, nice guy. That car yeah. is so good looking.
0: Yeah, DTM style E30, E36. Yeah, yeah. Um, real, real cool car. Good dude. Uh, former NASA GTS two national champ. Um, and he basically came this weekend just to do, just to shake the car down. But um, real, real cool car. Uh, nice guy too. But yeah, the what a great weekend though. I freaking love that weekend. Well, I, I, in I in the past the the we
1: have used. Track day picnic as like a, a grid life staff technical uh, meeting I guess where like uh, the event itself was uh, kind of a loser in terms of how expensive it was relative to how many people showed up.
0: Uh, it's but, not a cheap track, but mind. it
1: was yeah. it was on our schedule anyway because it was really valuable for everybody. Um, this year was the first year where we got enough people to show up that it was like, hey, we didn't lose our ass. That's fantastic
0: yeah thanks everybody (laughs) uh it it was and we also kind of we also kind of uh kept the because we're doing so many events it was more of just like a the staff that showed up it was like well this is kind of the retreat weekend you know so um i i loved it though man i could do that event i could do that event for the rest of time just as we did it like i don't want to change a thing it was so good
1: yep um the problem Google for us eight. is, oh, like, we're just running low on weekends to do things like that.
0: That was why we weren't there last weekend, is you just don't, like, last year, I mean, you just didn't have any, you didn't have an available weekend. Like, it just didn't work. Uh, I'm glad it worked this weekend, or this year, though. It was, what a great track. It's, it's such a sleeper of a track, too. Like, uh, when you think of, like, in the Pantheon of Midwest tracks, like, you think of... The places everybody talks about. Mid Ohio, Gingerman, Autobahn Road America, right? Um, I think I'd rather drive a Blackhawk than any of those places.
1: Yep. Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah, I'd rather be there. I'd definitely rather be a Blackhawk. The food is great too, and like the atmosphere is amazing. Um it's uh it's a it's a real special little place. What a cool track.
1: I especially like the way that uh cars sound as they cross start finish as the sound like comes off of the trees on the opposite side of the track
0: yeah like the whole place you're you're like you're in the back side of a tree canopy right there and then there's like the then there's just past you to your right there's the there's like the tower and a building so it echoes across that as it passes you and then like the sound comes straight back at you because it's going through a tunnel like it's a really cool place just to listen to cars
1: um, um, Alex Westergaard's car is uh probably now the second loudest car in the grid, um, dude. Whereas previously Cal's it car. was absolutely the first. Cal Fortner's car yeah. is insane.
0: The, what is it, an S4? Yeah, it is. It's a supercharged V8 S4. It's the loudest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. It sounds really good though, like it's a good loud. Uh, it's, it's like the most refined open header Camaro you've ever heard. So So
1: unbelievably
0: loud. It's like an open header Camaro, um, had an orgy with an open header Mustang and an F1 car. Like, like it's the best, it's like the best worst thing you've ever heard. Uh, but man, is it scream? What a freaking loud car.
1: So not to derail our race car conversation, but I'm also browsing, uh, country coaches on RV trader. I don't know where else people look for RVs, but this is where this is where I've looked. Um there, there's one in Texas for fifty and it's right. uh, two thousand and what is this? <laughs> it's a two thousand and two Country Coach Allure thirty-six. And thirty-six sounds attractive to me because it's not, you know, gigantic.
0: I mean thirty-six is pretty nice length. I had a thirty four and I had a thirty-eight and uh yeah, thirty six would be very manageable. It's good length, and like it's not
1: it's not a piece of crap. But like, uh, if you were looking for a pristine coach, this is probably right. not it. Um, so well, like th-
0: there there are pluses to something that's not totally pristine because it it might be used more, and sometimes when it's used more, it's in better shape than the ones that's not that's not used at all. You know? Right. But yeah. Man, sorry, guys. my my sinuses are acting up all of a sudden.
1: Same. Um, this yeah, one is like in garbage. Sherman, Texas, and it's forty eight thousand nine hundred dollars.
0: That's not that's a lot of bucks for forty eight grand.
1: I know. And here's the thing: if I sold mine for like fifteen or eighteen, now now you're not talking about financing a huge number.
0: I bet you can get twenty for yours right now, dude. Get all the little details and bells and whistles done. I bet you could get 24. Oh, man. How cool would that be? <laughs> I bet you can do it. What's
1: what's You're, you're all up on the, uh, the old diesels. What's a 350 Cummins ISC? What do I need to know about the 8.3 liter?
0: Uh, what year is it?
1: Uh, it's a 2002.
0: Uh, that's pre-emissions. Uh, Com- I, I, that's I learned Cam a bit Cam of trivia. Oil.
1: Every country coach is supposed to be pre-emission because they... Uh, they closed the business before that tech oh, they was did. adopted. Like so,
0: before '09 or whatever. Yep, 08, is when R V started getting the DEF or DEF or whatever. Um, yeah, the, the 8.3 Cummins ISC is a good motor. It's real solid.
1: So uh, let's nerd out about diesel diesel motors for just a second. I, I don't know why I think they're so cool, but uh, it seems like the like the Newell and Prevot have. Um, big Detroit diesel uh, engines. And those seem to be like what people want.
0: Yeah. Big Detroit's and Volvo's and stuff like that's a solid setup, but I mean, there's definitely, I mean, that's like, that's even larger stuff, like 45 footers and stuff have basically semi truck engines in them. Um, but like an 8.3 Cummins is like a medium duty semi truck engine. That's what mine has. It's an 8.3. Okay. And, uh, yeah, they're they're fine. Like they're they're basically slightly heavier duty versions of like a medium duty pickup truck, like a 5.9 Cummins, 6.7 Cummins, sure. like a.
1: Well, when um, I when I look at this, I'm not looking at you know horsepower and pulling power and you know just max uh, potential. Right. Like if I could get eight miles per gallon out of it, I would be stoked, right? So I don't need a 500 horsepower motor. What I need is a motor that like. Is fuel efficient?
0: Well, they they generally all kind of are. Like if it's tuned right, a diesel RV at the right the right mile per hour somewhere is probably going to get eight eight to nine miles per gallon. That's awesome. Like you just got to find the right spot for because the gearing and for the weight.
1: My so. C class will do like low sevens, like seven one, yeah. seven two, maybe, and
0: yeah. that's not pulling uh, like, anything. Coming back from Blackhawk, I was going. I'm on my GPS. I was going seventy five. Um, and I got 9.2 Dude, it's pretty good.
1: Well, and, and it adds up if you were going to Pike Peak, right? Like oh, that yeah, extra yeah. mile is a big percent.
0: When you're going a thousand miles, the extra mile per gallon is a lot. Yeah. Uh, that, that extra 10, it's like 10% more efficient You know, 12% more efficient. That's up real um, quick. Right. Especially with fuel probably being 50% more this summer than last summer. Yeah.
1: Are you, uh, are you, are you planning to drive? I assume you're planning to drive again?
0: Uh, To flex week. Yeah. I'm planning to go.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm going to look at the calendar and I'm, I guess I'm just going to like feel it out when I get into the new job just to see like what things are, because I'll be flying through a different airport and I don't even know how easily I can get from Louisville to Denver or Colorado Springs.
0: Probably not that hard. Lube is a pretty big hub, but
1: I've never really flown through there, so I can't say.
0: Yeah. I've only flown private out of Louisville.
1: <laughs> you did uh did we ever talk about that on the show?
0: I think so. I don't know. <laughs> it's
1: probably not something it's you're true. gonna talk about, is it?
0: It was pretty amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we talked about it. I talked about it in other podcasts. I don't know if we talked about it ours. Speaking of, like, um,
1: if you listen to the Slip Angle Show, we were on an episode of Everyday Driver. Um, oh, yeah. I
0: forgot about that. Where
1: I actually listened to probably two-thirds of it, and we did not sound like total doofuses. So, like,
0: that's hey, great. Cool. Um, they, they were nice they were nice guys that was it was fun to have. It well, fun it's to like a nate.
1: completely different demographic as well right like right
0: right um nate, we nate basically coon, got to
1: to give our pro tips on how to get to tracking
0: right right uh and and uh listener slash buddy nate coon i think he say his last name coon right I think so, yeah. K- K-U-H-N. He he writes for them, which I didn't know because I've never been on their website. And he introduced us to them, and then we were on their show. So that was cool. And, and he actually made tacos at Blackhawk. Did you get any? I didn't.
1: Uh, he made carnitas, and they were very good.
0: I did not get over there. All of a sudden, it was like 4 p.m., and I was like, shit, I forgot the tacos. <laughs> Because uh, I was busy not working. I was busy uh, doing other things, trying to fix my race car the entire weekend.
1: So um, Chris Sullivan, after, after I had all of this excitement about K-Fits, um, right. Chris offered to sell me his for $9,000.
0: Oh, well, that's actually not a bad deal for the amount of work he's spent in that thing.
1: Um, the, the question is, like, would that be our one-lap car? And we, we talked, we just did a Patreon show and we talked about how as much as we want to do one lap, it's almost impossible given our current life.
0: Right. Like
1: circumstance.
0: So if I did it, uh, the biggest problem is my wife would still be in school, uh, teaching and my daughter would be in school learning. And I have a dog. I mean, I might have a dog then, but, uh, she's pretty old. But, um, when I'm not around on a weekday, Like, even if it's like a Thursday, if I leave like on a Wednesday night and they have to do a Thursday and a Friday, like those mornings make my wife crazy because she's wrangling the kids, She's making the lunch. She's doing the blah, 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 blah. It's just a million little it's death by a thousand cuts. Oh, for
1: sure. Uh,
0: And then if so, if I'm gone the entire week, I don't know if there will be a house for me to come back to. I'm dead serious. Um, Like, I don't know if I don't know if they can do it.
1: Well, it's funny (laughs) you say that because like. There, as I am currently unemployed, there are several days or have been many days where uh, we do not send Sloan to daycare and Ashley goes to work. And right. um, I typically, when, when Ashley's feeding the baby in the morning, I'll get up and I'll make Ashley coffee and I'll make Sloan's bottles for the morning and then I will, uh, like try and figure out what to do with her uh, while I go downstairs and feed the dogs. And then I take them outside to do their business. And by the time I get back Sloan's like screaming because, you know, we left her somewhere and it's just like, it's uh, (laughs) like, it is hard to do it by yourself. And I think it would be a lot easier if we didn't have dogs.
0: The dogs, the dogs are just enough work that it makes the child seem unbearable. Like it's just a little bit too much. it's so terrible to say that. And I feel terrible saying it. I love my dog, but man, just having to walk the dog for 12 minutes in the morning. Like, what do you do with the kid? The kid's still in her underwear. Like if she's watching cartoons, you can't just leave, you know, <laughs> uh, at
1: the moment, Sloan is of the age that we put her in. Like, you know, the little standard bouncer thing.
0: And yeah, you like, can do that with a baby, but you can't do that with a seven-year-old. You dude, cannot. Like, wants, yeah. She wants to eat chocolate, and she's still sitting in her underwear. Like she does not want to go outside. I think
1: you tell her to get dressed and come with you on the walk.
0: Yeah, she ain't doing that shit at 6.05. Ain't happening. Well, she's gonna we're have to learn that,
1: how to hustle if she's gonna be a jabe.
0: We're leaving that child home, man. <laughs> yeah, it 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 gets it just it just you know it just muddies the waters a little bit more having a kid, having a dog, having
1: well. So, because I imagine that you, at seven years old, were installing doors. Uh, no,
0: thir- 13 is when I got my first paycheck. But I was mowing the lawn, and I was working in the wood shop a lot. Well, she's got to get on it, man. Yeah, well, she lives a different life than I did, thankfully. So. Oh. I wouldn't wish my personal life on my daughter, like, uh, for a million dollars, I wouldn't give her the entire life experience that I had. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, it's like, no, something's got to give. You can't just keep doing this shit. <sighs>
1: um, at the same time, uh, we've, we in, in the time that you and I have known each other, we've done a lot of things.
0: It's been, a, it's been what? Four or five years. Yeah. Um, uh, my life, my life is, my life will change a lot. Even this year. Um, just with the with the massive debt payoff at work, like all of a sudden we'll be out of debt at at work, which is nuts. Um, and the building will get paid off
1: in the next like month or
0: two. Yeah, next month is the next payment, last payment. Um, and so we went from like seven hundred fifty grand in debt to like basically zero, uh, effectively. And it's um, it's
1: taken fifteen years, right? Because you bought it right yeah. at the recession. Yeah. In
0: roughly roughly fifteen years of building and business debt and credit card debt and stuff like that. Like a lot of it was credit card debt too, because we came into the recession and then we basically had to float ourselves and just being stupid and you know it it it, it was it was it, again death by a thousand cuts. Of uh, we should have bankrupted that business, but my parents would have lost their house. They would have lost everything, basically. So we didn't, and we're almost done. We're almost there. So and, I mean, we're we're making okay livings now, which is good. I was making there was a long time where I was making like fifteen to twenty grand a year. It sucked working three thousand hours a year. But, That's unbelievable. Um, so that that that'll change a lot uh, having that debt paid off. And then I mean, good life is busy. Like I don't know what the future holds for. <laughs> for events like it seems like this year's gonna be rad but like what if what if uh, you know what if the economy tanks the dollar tanks the you know gas prices spike stuff like that like I think there will always be a demand for events like what we're doing I don't know what it'll be next year or the year after that or the year after that but like um, uh, it's it's really encouraging that there is such demand right now we've, like it's literally unprecedented we've never had demand like this ever so
1: so, um, maybe, maybe for the slip angle listeners, you can talk about what the, what the challenges of managing that demand are. Cause I, I feel it's, like I have a little bit of an idea,
0: but it's the freaking worst,
1: right? Like it, it is a, it's a horrible, good problem to have. Um, but I, I see it as people want to come to our events and if we don't have space for them and we are, we're telling people, no, it's really yeah. hard to, build those people and convert them into our universe without giving them access to our events, right? Like
0: exactly. Like uh, there's very few amateur motorsports events that like have to deal with sellouts. Like it's just not a thing, right? Um, in most SCCA, NASA, HP whatever. If it's sold out, like it's sold out maybe the day before, like, it's not like a month, two, three, four months out, uh, six months out. Um, it's definitely not in two minutes. Like it's the worst problem because you have, especially Midwest festival, like it's this big juggernaut of an event that everybody wants to go to because they know that their friends will be there. There's concerts, there's spectators. Like it's fun to drive in front of the spectators, whatever. Um, but like, it basically was sold out for drivers and like with just gold pass, like in enti- the entire gold pass, like buyership is going to Midwest festival. We're talking like a couple hundred drivers bought gold pass and they're all going to Midwest festival. Yeah. Um, and, and so you've only got like what, 10, 15, maybe 20 time attack spots. You have Drift because there's no Drift Gold Pass. Um, you've got uh, some HPDE, like five advanced, five intermediate left to do uh, Midwest festivals. So you don't have a lot of like options to sell more tickets even. Um, and it's just like it's, it's not fun to have to deal. And, and, and so you get a lot of messages. I get a lot of messages about like, oh, I really want to go. I really want to go. And then we always especially for Gingerman events. I don't know why gingerbread is such an in-demand track for us, but uh, I've got a bunch of people on my waiting list for this upcoming weekend, right? Like a ton. There's a huge waiting list. Um, and as people contact me and say that they want to sell their spot, I have to find the next available person and some of those people like you contact them and they they never reply back or their car's not ready or you know or a million different things and so that's a big pain in the butt time consuming time suck of a job is trying to resell people's spots um but then you're always gonna have people that are like man been trying to get a pass for two years fuck grid life (laughs) it sucks man it freaking sucks yeah uh but what are you going to do? Like we can't, we have to produce an event that works schedule wise. So I can't really sell more than 80 time attack spots. I can't oversell the, uh, the HPD crowd. I can't oversell GLTC, like 25 cars a mile in GLTC. Uh, Gingerman. I typically keep it sub 30 cars in HPDE. Like time attack. We try to keep it at three run groups of 30 max, 25 max, you know, like, Uh, it's just well and that even that that
1: changes when um the the really really high-end unlimited cars start to show up because their time separation between them and the rest of even that that prime a
0: group is the top 20 will be a what like a 12 15 second differential yeah like like you almost can't put them out together so yeah (laughs) Uh do you remember when we had like hundred and twenty plus car fields at Midwest Festival? It's crazy. It was so stupid. That was pre-GLTC, but we'd have time attack A, we'd have Time Attack B, we'd have Time Attack C, D, E, and F. F. Like it was yep. that, many, so, that many groups uh, of time attacks.
1: A couple of weeks ago, I had dinner at Eric Meyer's house and was hanging out with um his group of friends, but also uh Andrew Rains was there. And Eric was kind of asking icebreaker type questions because not everybody in the group knew everybody, and uh, they asked about like what our you know greatest motorsports achievement was, and I in in part on the event production side I got to talk about what we did in twenty eighteen at Midwest Festival, uh, if you remember that was the year we did brackets and right drift back to back for like eight hours on track uh on saturday and i remember that like you and me had uh like this this weird high in that uh it was the most challenging bit of event production that i've ever done and i remember that there were more than a thousand people watching time attack on the pit wall like watching stuff happen
0: that was really awesome.
1: And I, I was just like, this is the this is the coolest thing we've ever done. End of story. Yeah,
0: it was really, really cool. And yeah.
1: there was no rest or breaks on the track side action because it was just time attack, drift, time attack, drift for like six or eight hours. And I remember right. when it was finished, I was like, Well, it this is it. This is as this is as good as it gets.
0: When it was finished, we went right into the um right into the awards ceremony. And I, I had I was so mentally drained uh, that I was like, because uh, Austin was there, Austin Cabot, and I was like, Austin, I need you to do awards. I'm going out on the racetrack and I'm going to scoop dirt for a while because I need to not be around anybody. I need to not do anything. <laughs> like I cleaned up the turn one dirt for half an hour uh, because I had to stop. Like my brain was so fried.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's funny though because like. Uh... At that moment, I mean, I I think when you go to events and you drive, you're kind of chasing a high, just like, you know, you might if you were into drugs. Uh, At that moment, for me, that was a trackside high that I've not had since then. Uh, In that, I've never been working an event that was so stressful and so down to the wire and so dialed that, like, it took everything that I had.
0: And uh, you have, you you have. You might not have felt the same way, but um, 2019 Speed Ring was out of control. Uh, it was so busy. Yeah. And we nailed we nailed that thing. It was so clean and so good. Uh, but man, that was a and the live stream was great. Uh, and we were like the whole thing was so dialed. And it was that it was that like. Bracket battles get real intense, like scheduling in the grid, like moving cars around, like it gets real crazy. Um, but uh, well, bracket battles, to me, like I, me I realize know, that it's like a bracket of time attack.
1: But. I, I realize that the events, uh, like let's, let's talk about Formula One for a second. I realize that they take the same format and they just move right. it from place to place throughout the season. But in our tiny, tiny little universe, and to a much smaller degree. I I so appreciate all of the things that have to happen and the hundreds of people that it takes to produce an event that's on time and it runs by the book and all of these different systems work together to produce this so kind hard. of broadcast.
0: Dude, it's so hard. It's so hard. Like... uh Probably one of the last like real like highs i had was um the first time we did it was as at, at middle ohio last year we did a standing uh, top 10 shootout in enjoy oh yeah uh like real cool on a live stream um and and then dj like dj kind of kind of went i think he went from like fifth to first in the top 10 shootout and then he ended up winning the race after that. Um, because he had moved in the top 10 shootout re requalifies qualifies the top 10 for the next race. Right. Um, so you get one flying lap and it's just, and it's like thought to be a lot like Australian supercar, like, a you know, you watch some of the videos of like Bathurst, uh, and they get the shootout at Bathurst and like standing the, the single flying lap. And, uh, and so the camera is focusing on the driver at a time. Yeah. Yeah. One, one driver, one car at a time and like just watching them make that lap. Well, and And it's, it's cool because like, and then he ended up winning the race. So
1: I think it's cool from a live stream, uh, perspective because, you know, even though when you're at the event, um, you know, one car on track doesn't really seem like a lot, the way that you stage cars and you warm up cars in terms of the live stream watching, it's incredible because There's always a car on a hot lap. And so like you're, you're, when you watch the top 10 shootout on the stream, it's just like, you know, 10 or 12 minutes of just like straight hot laps. And you're, you're wanting to see who, who does what.
0: And so we're trying in the grid to like, uh, as soon as the one car clears the end of their hot lap, we've only got 10, 15 seconds before the next car starts their hot lap. Right. Uh, And so you can't have too much overlap, uh, but you also can't have it where somebody's on their cooldown lap and the next car catches them. Uh, So you really got to time that thing out. It's like a pain in the butt time. (laughs) But uh, we got pretty lucky the three times we did it last year. We did it at Mid-Ohio, we did it at Midwest Festival, and we did it in Alpine. Um, But, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say lucky. Uh, I think personally I timed it because I was doing it myself. Like I'm standing in grid releasing cars. I think personally I timed it. Pretty, uh, pretty knowledgeably, but, uh, it was, it was still kind of like rolling the dice a little bit, but, um, yeah, those are cool. Like those cool, special moments. Like, uh, like I, I, I can say to be a that part of I that want, that stuff,
1: I want you and I to have more of those. Um, uh,
0: they're, they're, f- they're like few and far between, but when you have them, like, it's really cool. Well, it's, like, it's really cool.
1: It's like that, um, in, in my work life, I like to create a separation. There's, there's a distinction in my head between intensity and chaos. Right. And the difference is it, an intense situation is, is one where there's a lot going on, but you, you kind of have the reins or at least you, you kind of know how all the pieces fit together. And chaos is when you're right. just completely out of control.
0: Um, yeah. Like intensity I, is like chaos, but organized. And I purpose, love
1: you know? those intense, like high demand situations. And I, I want more of them because, because I'm not in the car as much driving. Those intense situations are what gets me jazzed up about doing events.
0: I feel like it's when I do my best work personally, like the regular the regular events are pretty easy to do but like when things are hard is I feel like I get into that zone you know uh, and you, and, it, and things get memorable when, when they're real hard and they're real intense um, and that's also like you know when you know when the 15 16 18 years of experience working working track side all of a sudden like you go from feeling like oh I'm just a freaking dumb carpenter who like happens to work at racetracks and then, like, uh, we, we, we do these stupid, crazy, difficult things, uh, like bracket battles or whatever. And I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I am good at this. <laughs> so, like, I, you, I was trying to count the number off, of events that
1: I've done on the production side, and it's probably, like, 25 or 30 at this point, maybe a few more, yeah. maybe a few less. But, Farmer like, the ones that stick into my head permanently are Festival in 2018 and right. the Speed Ring events.
0: Speedring events, dude, those were intense, man, especially 2018, 2019. Um, I remember like, I remember having
1: to basically like scream at at James because he was like triple driving cars and the the live stream was dependent on the schedule and, and kind of everything. And so, quite literally, he would do his cool down lap, pull into the pit. And it was out of control. Uh, unbuckle his, his harness and jump into the next car. And I remember right. him being like physically exhausted by the end of the weekend. And he was, it,
0: was it a street mod, a track mod, and an unlimited class car? I think.
1: Uh, something like that. Yeah.
0: Or maybe it was two unlimiteds. It was street mod and then two unlimiteds, maybe. Yep. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was so nuts, though. Uh, There and I think there it must have been unlimited because there was the potential that he could have been uh, up against himself in the bracket.
1: Right. Yeah, he had the Evo and the Integra.
0: Right. Right.
1: But like those are on the event side, those are things that I'll never forget ever, and those those memories are what I want more of.
0: So lately, um, especially very lately, um, I've been, I've been thinking how, because some of this stuff, like, when, the, like when we have, when we have incidents like at NCM where cars crash, uh, they, you know, the incidents happen, little, little boops make big boops, right? Like a little bit, a little bit of like a, uh, a car, a car bobble, like all of a sudden wrecks three cars. Right. Uh, And, and just stuff like that. It really, really gets me down. Like it gets me so, it gets me like wildly physically depressed because I'm, I feel so responsible for these, for this entire thing. Like when anything bad happens, I feel like it's 100% my fault, even though I know logically it's not, but like in, in, like in my soul, like it fucking hurts. I fucking hate it. It's the worst. Um, and and even at even at Blackhawk, uh, Gordon Gordon locked up and like tapped Carrie James and and bumped his and like bumped his rear quarter, but it popped right out and like messed his toe up. Right, um, and like I feel real bad like when, when that happens. But Gordon's ABS has been flaky, and you know? all when the ABS doesn't work, the car sucks and he crashes or like ABS lockups. You know, he's trying to figure it out, and it just happened to get stupid right there. Uh, just a suck situation, and it, it like gets me in the pit of my stomach, right? Um, and I've been thinking, but there's about five days a week where I think I need to find my way out of this because I can't do it. But then there's those two days a week where, it's, where you remember like what we just talked about, where you remember 2018 festival, you remember the speed ring events, you remember the first GLTC event, which was literally flawless. Uh, the very first one in mid-Ohio 2019, or, I mean, there's been a bunch of flawless GLTC races, like, literally 85% of them are flawless, like, so many of them have been flawless, and you don't think about the perfection uh, and, like, the great times and, like, the amazing times in the pits uh, following, you know, a a crazy hot day on track, like, the best parties, the best hangs, the best conversations, Uh, like, my brain instinctively goes towards the you're fucking it all up like all oh, those bad times, well, but this and that. I, I think
1: so, that's um, something that you and I share is whenever, even if we went and we did an event that went great, uh, almost always, and probably to our detriment, we're on the phone with each other, maybe even on Sunday night, talking about what we could have done better.
0: Yeah. And Chris and I are the same way. Like it's always, it's always critical of ourselves, but it's like when you think back on like the coolest things we've ever done, like those things, you don't think about those when you are thinking about the minutia that dragged it dragged, like the mediocre things you did down, like the averageness, you know, the average stuff is it's average. It's just, it's what happens in wheel to wheel racing. It's what happens in time trials. I
1: don't want to say that I'm biased, right? Like we're not biased because it's our event, but um, I want to do more bracket types of things um, right. partially for me but also partially because uh, that format as as we've set it up is a way that makes time attack really interesting
0: it does and it does make it interesting. Uh,
1: i I will say that time attack as a competitor is always interesting like if you're driving a car and you're As trying driver, to drive absolutely. faster than you ever have, it will always be intense. But absolutely. from a spectator standpoint, it's not.
0: Um, and the man, that the, one time we had those thousand people lined up because they understood what was happening. They were like, that guy's going against that guy. Uh, and that girl's beating that guy because I can see it. I can see that they, they stretched it out or it's shrunk. And the person in the back, one, <laughs> <Yep. laughs> like,
1: And it it's uh, yeah. different from a conventional time attack competition, but right. it, I remember talking with, um, uh, Chris from Canada and he had his own like nervous jitters as he was getting ready to get into the car. And it was, right. it was a new and fresh experience that those guys hadn't had. And that too is memorable.
0: Right. So, like, it's kind
1: of, it's fresh for everybody.
0: Right. Do you remember how uh, uh, um, uh, in Street Mod, um, uh, what's his face, in the BMW? Nikolai. Um, Nikolai Nikolai went from the
1: eighth seed to win.
0: And he, and it was a little bit damp and he was just better in the damp. Uh, and you remember how exhausted he was? Like when, when he got like the, the one more time on the last battle or whatever, like.
1: <laughs> he just like, he threw his hands up and he's like, ah. <laughs> he's
0: like, I can't do it anymore. And then he ended up winning. So it was pretty, it was pretty rad to watch. But, so, I mean, but like, yeah. it's
1: a balance too, right? Because um, there are a number of competitors that, love the track time that's afforded by, you know, the, the time attack competition at our conventional events.
0: Right. Um, Right. And so it's bordering on HPDE levels of track time, right? Yeah. It's, it's a lot. And so like, like per dollar, it's basically the amount of track time you get per dollar of a track night in America. Yeah. You know, tracking in America is like one twenty-five to one eighty. You get three sessions. Yep. And we we get six to nine sessions, and it's double or triple. So. Yep.
1: And so like, yeah. uh, you know, I I want to be, um, like conscious of that, and you don't want to change the format if that's what people like. At the same time, uh, I I want people to want to watch Time Attack.
0: Right. And yeah, uh, uh, we've, we've found a good audience with GLTC. They want to watch that. Uh, and they paid, they're paying more and more attention to time attack. Bracket battles sure is fun to watch though. Yeah. Sure is fun to watch.
1: It's, it, I, I think it's that, that, that tournament style is not a coincidence, right? Like college basketball does it. And um, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, probably you can predict the winner. But that yeah. one time, that's what makes it interesting.
0: That freaking time Nikolai Delov came across the, f- the finish line, the winner, the last time. Like that was such an upset. Um, and then and we've we actually had upsets more, like almost more than not. Like the uh, the predicted well, it's, winner. It's was like not a it's a completely
1: winner. different set of skill,
0: I think. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah, get getting out there with a time attack car and like just nailing it first lap out right like, that's now, hard, man.
1: it's, it's very different than knowing that like, Oh, I you mean, you can do your fast do one on Friday morning. And then if you want to park it, that's cool.
0: Right. Yeah. Very different, very different competition. So.
1: And, but like the cars probably are built a little bit differently depending on how the competition is run. But what I can say is like, uh, Andy's car and, uh, James's car and the Pro Awesome car, all of them ran that format just fine.
0: Right. You gotta get out there and nail it, though.
1: Yeah, and uh, so, like, I maybe we should do more of that.
0: Yeah, probably. Uh, it would probably get me out of my funk. Even today, like, just today, I was in such a funk, dude. I don't know why, like...
1: Some days I like, think, you know, you just have that.
0: Some days you have it, and I have it more days than not. Well, um, I will be
1: honest. I haven't had one of those days since uh, February.
0: Because you got out of the job that you hated? Uh Uh-huh. I should probably get out of the jobs that I hate. (laughs) (laughs) Notice I said jobs. (laughs) Uh, I think the only thing that I like doing is uh, BSing a podcast nowadays.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sorry, Adam. This
0: won't pay your mortgage. No, it will definitely not pay my mortgage. Won't buy me food. Won't do anything. And so, what if you'd anyway. sell
1: some ads? Jesus.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, we should probably uh, thank our friends over at Apex Pro, SP uh, Euro, so and the Patreons.
1: Uh, Apex Pro has an update. Gen 2 hardware is uh, on the website. It's very, very cool. New features. Uh, the app update is excellent. And. FCP Euro is doing awesome stuff now with Lime Rock, which I am very interested in.
0: I'd like to Yeah, there might be, we might need to take advantage of that partnership.
1: I I would like to know where this goes.
0: Yeah, we uh, we might also be, we might already be talking about it.
1: Oh, cool. Um, And then uh, I don't want to promise this yet, but uh, I need to get more Slip Angle shirts printed. Uh, But... Patreon just, like, did a thing where people could sign up for, like, year-long Patreon support. And I don't know how, like, the front end of that all works. Uh, But everyone's been so generous in supporting Patreon. Um, Like, any person uh, in the future, hold off on it, any person in the future that does a one-year sign-up, um, I'm gonna send out one of these baller t-shirts. Um, I just yeah, got you to,
0: and your fancy t-shirts that that are so soft.
1: That I don't have any extra larges for you, so I'm gonna get more made. Um, they're excellent. Everyone who has one loves it, except for Swenson because he said he has big pepperoni nipples, and uh, <laughs> um, he Is he that said that the on? shirt was a little thin, but uh, he did say he liked it.
0: They're pepperoni ish,
1: huh? Um, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) if if uh if if you sign up for a one year Patreon, uh, we would love you uh, a lot, and I don't care what the amount is. If you sign up for a year, I'll mail you a shirt. I just have to get some more made, so Mm. let's uh let's like keep that for in our back pocket for just a little bit so that I can get some more shirts made. That may be here in Indianapolis, but it may be in Kentucky. So we'll see.
0: Abe a- a- just bought a new computer uh, with uh, with Patreon love. He flew to to Texas. We did some shows. Well, you make uh, it sound
1: like I'm being frivolous. No, I like I no, bought a like, computer these are to things do we need. <laughs> trackside <laughs> slip angle edits and releases, which will hopefully be useful. And also, right. uh, we needed a computer that could run Aim software to do some other stuff. And like. I live yeah, in a Mac GLTC universe, and it's so. like AIM software. Other people are good at it. I think it's harder than it needs to be. I prefer be Apex Pro to software.
0: Unfortunately, it's become the industry standard in wheel-to-wheel world. Um, so it is one of the things that we use for parity in, in GLTC. But, uh, yeah, we needed a little bit of... Computing power and uh, Patreon listeners helped us get some of that. So, and then hopefully, uh, you like you said, trackside releases. Like, if we record a show on Friday, we can put it out on, on Friday.
1: That know. would be so cool. Um, yeah, be great. And uh, I, I took the board to to Taco Track Day, and that worked out pretty well. So I think I'm going to continue it doing it, even though I look like a weirdo
0: with a large briefcase. Yeah, yeah whatever. But, all right, buddy. Well, I'm going to go to bed. It's midnight here. It's one by you. Time yeah, it's late. Bed, man.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for the partners and the patrons and all the people that continue to listen to this dumb show.
0: Yeah, I I apologize about some of my uh, my complaining. My life is weird and busy, uh, but uh, I wouldn't keep doing it if it wasn't for the drivers and obviously the people that listen. So. It, uh, it's very rewarding at the same time. Like it's, it's pain in the ass, but like, it's, uh, I think, uh, I think I will definitely look back on a life, uh, when I'm older and say, man, I don't regret doing that. That's pretty rad. Made a lot of good friends, had a lot of good times. Like we, we're here we for a ta- long time. And we for, did some cool shit. Yeah. We're not here for a long time. We're here for a good time. And so hopefully we're making some good times. So thanks everybody. All right. tip. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits of would Live to say hello.